Welcome to the latest episode of the Brush Builders Union podcast. I'm your host and general president of the Brush Builders Union, Simon Berman. And this month, uh, December, I am joined by John Power, editor and publisher of upcoming Weird Science magazine. John, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me, Simon. Yeah, I saw this project. I just happened to see it by chance. Uh, I think Gav Thorpe retweeted it, which is where I saw it first. Um, it's a really cool looking magazine. I'm really excited to get a copy of it. And uh, you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, thanks. Oh, I mean, first of all, like, obviously, if Gav listens to this, thank you to him, because uh, I don't really know him. I've never really kind of chatted beyond a few lines on Twitter, but he's been really um, supportive of this. So it's been nice. So, yeah, I mean, basically, I it's been an idea that I've had for about three years now. Um, I've for most of my life, I've worked in the music industry and written for kind of arts and culture magazines and I do press and PR for uh, record labels and uh, about three or four years ago I kind of well probably about four or five years ago I got back into role-playing games and Warhammer and all this kind of stuff and you know I just loved it you know I loved it as a kid and 30 odd years later um, it's still does it for me and I was sat down and I was reading magazine and there was so many really good games coming out and really interesting um like the indie scene for um for role-playing games was just it just blew my mind every week I would find something new that was uh so exciting and just the design was looking great and the content was great and we'd gone beyond kind of you know there was still like hey go down a dungeon and kill some goblins and steal their treasure but there was suddenly there was all these other different things coming out where you could do a million different things and it just caught me you know I was like wow this is um you know I'm so glad that it's still going but that things were really going well and being the kind of person I am I'm incapable of just enjoying something um I understand that it's, you know, turn you into know, work, right? yeah it's that, that thing yeah <laughs> it's like the one thing I you know it's like do what I say not what I do and I always tell people don't you know if you find something you love and it's a hobby don't make a career out of it because yeah. you know suddenly you, you lose you know like music you know as a kid I loved music so much and it's like I want to be in a band and then you know I was in a band for a while and oh, we were rubbish and then <laughs> you know I want to be a DJ and I did that for quite a while and you know and then I so I left university not entirely of my own will and then managed to get some jobs in the music industry and worked in that for a while and and you think it's like oh it's going to be great fun and then after a while you realize that hey yeah i'm getting like free albums and free concert tickets but all my other friends who've got proper jobs can afford to do all that anyway and yeah. not you know they're not dealing with the rubbish that we deal with and um and it's probably the same with this so i probably shouldn't be doing this magazine but it's why i am and i wanted to create a magazine that was a, a little bit like the magazines that i'd written for or worked with uh, in music and lifestyle, kind of, you know, the just really cool looking magazines. And I just didn't think there was quite that around. And this was like three or four years ago. And uh, obviously, it, you know, I was just so busy. I run my own company and um, I was just, just constantly, it was like always in the back of my mind, at some point I'm going to do this. And originally it was 
just going to be a little zine. It was going to be, uh, you know, I was like, oh, do I do a podcast? That's what everyone loves now. But, you know, I hate listening to my voice. So sure. <laughs> that would be hell for me to do on a weekly basis. Uh, you know, and then I wanted to just, there was at the same time, there was this kind of really interesting revival of um, zines around, mainly kind of one of my other fascinations is kind of weird folklore and the occult and stuff like that if i can interrupt you are you uh are you getting a hellbore yes yes i have uh i have issue three sat on my desk right now and i've just seen they've just i think issue the yule issue has just gone up so i'm yeah it's like hellbore amazing there's a weird walk and uh Oh, uh, rights and declarations or whatever. It's, uh, you know, there's suddenly, I was buying all these zines. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to do something small and interesting like that. And, um, and but I kept putting it off because of work and one thing or another never quite happened. And then, you know, thankfully COVID came around and managed to wipe out the music industry even more huh. than it already had. So I kind of, I mean, I literally, I'd been about to, I'd, I'd been about to, I'd spoken to a load of people and I was like, we're going to do this magazine. I want you to write for it. And that was like in February. And then suddenly everything gets locked down and I'm like, okay, let's just focus on this. And most of my clients in the music industry um, at the moment are all kind of club music, electronic music. Um, so that's, you know, <laughs> no clubs open, there's no music. So um, yeah. Suddenly, a lot of clients, you know, money that was owed suddenly disappeared. And I went through it. It was a weird kind of, I mean, for everyone, it's been a weird year, hasn't it? And uh, it certainly has. I kind of, you know, I closed my company down over after like eight years of running it and was kind of sat there and end of summer. And I'd, I'd had a weird summer. I'd started, I was running like 300 kilometers a month just to kind of, literally get up and run a 10k a day just to keep my head going but then by the end of it i was like i've got to do something because this is possibly not going to end anytime soon you know there was no rough idea when um so i thought look i'll do it next year and then suddenly i was like no you know what like i want to have something out i want to have something to show for 2020 because it's been a miserable year and i'd love to look back on it and not think it was just you know, a year where I sat at home being miserable, (laughs) you know, but at the same point, I was like still getting all these cool role-playing games. And, you know, my, I mean, I had this idea that I would get through lockdown with all my Warhammer models painted. And, um, you know, that didn't happen, obviously about four of them (laughs) managed in the end, but, um, but I want to have something to show for it. So I just thought, you know what, like powered by spite, let's just do it. And then, so we, got this one which i'm calling like our session zero so the idea being is it's not the ideal time we haven't been able to do everything we wanted but we've put together what i think's a really interesting magazine um of course literally at the point where i finally did decide to do that we went back into lockdown here in belgium where i live Uh and um and then um you had your election really helped things that made uh it really easy for you know i've got quite a few american writers who were a little bit distracted and yeah it's, it's been a long month in november <laughs> it feels like about five years but um so it's but we put it together and and i now have so much respect for anyone who's ever run a kickstarter because it's it's terrifying and it's you 
sit there every day just hitting refresh constantly. To yeah, see I, the... I run about 10, so I can tell oh, you it never gets easier. I, it's, it's unbelievable. And I mean, the, the day we launched it, I was so... I sat there and I just did, I hadn't set a time. I was just like, it's going to happen today at some point when like magically I feel right. And I, I honest to God, I thought I'll sit here and I'll press go on it and then spend the entire evening watching, I don't know, like four pounds dribbling over the course <laughs> of five hours. And I'd have to phone up my parents and be like, Hey, <laughs> you want to like back this magazine about orcs and goblins? But, um, <laughs> It's it, it took off and it's doing really well. We funded in like three hours, and I mean I have to be a, a bit honest there. I I you know the the funding goal wasn't quite the actual budget. I just I was so like I want this to happen. So I set a kind of thousand pound goal, which will pay for like the printing costs for a few hundred. Um, but everyone's getting paid who who's like written for it and done art for it. So. Um, so we've got a bit to go, but it's been so, you know, the response from people out there has been fabulous. I mean, like, I say, like, Gather Thorpe tweets about all these people who have been, like, tweeting lovely things about it. And it's been, um, yeah, it's just, it's so nice to have this idea. And, and it seems like people are kind of into the idea of, a. I mean, the whole point of it is I wanted it to look nice and I wanted to get beyond 280 characters. So I wanted to give us a chance to delve into subjects and talk about the things are not just the games because obviously we have actual play shows and all those kind of things and that's great and mm -hmm. if you want to see how a game plays that's perfect you know you can go and watch any game you want being played you know or you can listen to a podcast something like that and but what i wanted was to kind of just dig a little more into subjects and and especially because you know as I mean, I'm 43, so I've been on and off into this for, well, I was like six when I got Fighting Fancy Death Trap Dungeon or something like that. So yeah. it's been a long time. And it's changed so much in that time. You know, it's it's changed completely. And who's into it and who's making games. And, I, you know, I think there's really interesting conversations to be had about you know there's a lot of people like ah keep politics out of gaming keep social issues out of gaming and uh, you know uh, i think we can have really good conversations about these things because it's always been there you know warhammer 40,000 is a political satire at heart you know it's right it's all these things have been there forever and it just needs to be talked about but because Twitter is the way it is. It's like Pavlov's dog. It's taught us to be at each other's throats and it's taught us to, you know, take things the worst way. And there's people that deliberately take things that, you know, do stuff to annoy people. <laughs> and uh -huh. so I wanted to give people a chance to like talk about what goes into their games. What is it that has inspired them? And, and also how games have inspired everything else. It's not just a one way street. Um, you know, there's there's music feel you know, like thirty six years ago it was, you know, thirty years ago it was considered this odd little hobby for, you know, weirdos. And what have been the biggest films of the last twenty years? Like culture has been 
you know, inverted commas, nerd culture for the last 20 years. It's, it doesn't sure. matter what you are. You've been going to see Marvel films, Star Wars, you know, The Lord of the Rings, all these things. They're, they're not like some niche thing now. That is mainstream culture. And, Absolutely. You know, we've moved on to that and we affect art and games affect art and they affect music and, and it's a two-way street. And I think it's, you know... I want to look at everything and, and, and I want to find out what it is that's made people make the games they have. And I want to find out how games have affected life around us. Cause it's, um, you know, it's fascinating and it's, yeah, it's been part of my life for so long, but I, you know, and I want to kind of share that and I want to, you know, I, I see all these amazing games and I pick them up and I read them and I want to shout about them and I want more people to know about these little zines that I keep, you know, filling my study with because, you know, there's the more of them that's out there, the better, I always say. And, you know, the more people that are into these games, the more people from different backgrounds and different perspectives, the best they are. It's always the way, you know, the the bigger the party, the more interesting it is. And, um, you know, there's room for, you know, everyone as long as they're willing to accept everyone. So um, that's kind of what I wanted the magazine to be about and and just you know treat it with respect but also know that it's inherently ridiculous in a wonderful sure. way you know it's, <laughs> yeah. it's not i don't want to be po-faced about it i don't want to be like oh this is some you know you open this magazine and all you're going to get is you know 80 pages of diatribes it's not it's you know we've got all sorts in there we've you know we've got chris spivy who is talking about you know his new game haunted west and it's you know he's Really, you know, he did um, Harlem Unbound, Call of Cthulhu, mm-hmm. which was amazing, and it kind of, you know, at a point where we're reevaluating someone like Lovecraft's legacy, which you know, obviously, we should do. Um, yeah, he, you know, he comes along, came along with like Harlem Unbound, and was like, well, look, you know, we can, um, we can, you know, we don't have to be beholden to Lovecraft. We can take what he's done and we can use it for our purposes and in our way. So uh, the haunted West it's, you know, he head on tackles the issues of racism in the, you know, the old West. And, you know, we have banana Chan talking about um, her game, uh, Jiangxi blood in the banquet hall, which is all about 1920s Chinese immigrants to America running a restaurant by day dealing with, all the hassles they dealt with, but then also fighting hopping vampires at night. I mean, awesome. I, I mean, the minute I saw that, I, I, I've never backed anything quicker. It was just like that sounds incredible, and I wanted to hear from her what she had to say about um, the game. So, but then you know, we can look at other stuff. You know, we talk about um, you know just. Uh, we got the guys from 2000 AD have just launched a new uh, game book series, so we chat with them about that and what you know the we just go on a big nostalgic chat with them about what went into their game and same with uh, the fiendbomb guys and it's it's i think you can mix it up you know you you can and i want you know sometimes there's like this real it feels like there's a, a divide and we talk about all oh, the grognards you know complaining and whatever whereas you know most of the guys i know who are my age are you know nice lovely guys who just want to play games or whatever and and 
most of them are kind of to, you know they aren't these kind of stereotypical people who don't want young kids in and they're gatekeeping uh, and that, yeah. and there are those people there i mean don't get me wrong there certainly are those people around but you know i think we we draw up divisions which aren't necessarily there and hopefully with a magazine like this it gives it the space for people who might get turned off by something when it's on twitter and you know when you give them something they want to read and then they turn the page and they read an interview with you know which goes into a topic like racism in role-playing games and you know they're already reading the magazine they trust you and they'll take it on board and i don't think you know it's going to heal the world or anything it's you know it's just a magazine about rolling dice and wizards but you know at the same point it you know we can we're we're better we're stronger together i think you know as, as a community and as as people and um it's you know and it's it opens your eyes to things i mean for me you know people talk about gaming and fa- uh, fantasy as uh, escapism and it can be it totally is you know over we've got at least a couple of articles in the magazine of people talking about how amazing it's been this whole awful shitty year where you know you can go for two hours at the end of the day and sit around the table with your family and play a board game or play a role-playing game or get online with your friends and it's it's just what you need at the end of at the end of the day so i totally get the whole escapism thing for me as well you know i can i'm a terrible terrible painter of models but when i sit down and i find the time to just you know throw some paint on some models it's like two hours of beautiful non-thinking zen meditation kind of experience and but at the same point i always look at fantasy as a way of engaging with other perspectives it always has been science fiction fantasy you know the good stuff has never just been about laser guns and you know green-skinned aliens it's been using those stories it's been using those as allegories as metaphors as as ways of talking about the present um and you know it's i always look at fantasy as just learning to engage with other experiences um so you know hopefully some of that comes across and uh you know and but it's a fun magazine as well and we'll see how it goes i'm very excited to see it i think it's really cool that you're you know taking the opportunity to look at the broader cultural context around gaming and gaming culture um, but also, you know, lining up some really tremendous interviews with just, you know, these great creators. Like you've got St- Simon Stallenhog, creator of Tales from the Loop and uh, Electric State. And uh, that, you know, that, 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 almost, that, that sold me right there alone, but the rest of your list is fantastic too. Simon was, Simon was one I interviewed. You know, I had to, I had to reserve that one for myself. And of he, course. <laughs> he's great. I mean, like, again, um, the Tales from the Loop, the, the role-playing games, were again, like those, some of those books when I got them, I was like, oh man, this is so cool. This is, because it's, they're the kind of games that you, you can, you know, introduce your friends who, if you say, hey, we're going to pretend to be, you know, wizards or barbarians for a few hours, they might look at you and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. but here you can go, especially my age group for like the Tales of Loop, oh, it's perfect, 80s and 90s. It's like, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to play the actual age we were then and you know it's it's like what you know it's 
what we did when we were riding around on bikes, except now there actually is robots instead of pretending there were. So it was amazing to get, get him in and he was fascinating. And it was great because I, I spoke to him and he was in his uh, house in the middle of nowhere in Sweden. And he just went for, and we did like a video chat and I don't know how the connection held up. He went for a walk through like the forest and we chatted for like an hour. And he was just like wandering through this wild snowy forest. And wow. uh, it's a beautiful place where he lives. And, um, sure. but he's a, you know, he was a really lovely guy and it's one of those, you know, I've, over the years I've got to interview a few people who, you know, I've really, I've, I've never had that thing where you, everyone says, don't meet your heroes, but so far it's worked out well for me. He yeah. was lovely. He was just, you know, really clued up, really switched on, had some really interesting things to say about his game and uh, well, the games aren't his but the books they're based on are his right. and um you know he had some really interesting thoughts about the way the world's going and and also kind of how people interpret his art and it was really interesting to you know just to give him the space to um explain you know and and talk about you know beyond kind of just the surface level let him actually kind of chat a while and we got on some really good stuff i think we ended up talking about like karl popper and various philosophers yeah but the end so it was um it was really good um so yeah i'm happy although that is i'm i'm behind schedule that's the one line because i again as i said earlier i hate listening to my own voice so (laughs) the one thing when you do an interview and then and, you know, it's why I probably should do a podcast because you just fire it off into the distance. Now I have to, you know, got an hour of sat there listening to yourself and stopping, pausing, rewinding, writing it down. And um, but it's uh, it, it is what it is. You know, I, I, no one asked me to do this. I, you know, I volunteered, so uh, you know, I've got to got to do what I've got to do. But, um, yeah. but no, it was lovely. It was lovely to speak to him and, yeah, and chat to a few other people. And uh, it's, you know, it's it's, uh, it's it's just nice when people are everything you want them to be. And, uh, and certainly Simon was. So, um, yeah, that was good. Yeah, I'm very excited to read that. I, I, remember, I think I watched the um, Tells from the Loop TV show, which came out, I think, just as, as the pandemic was sort of starting, which made it, uh, the the melancholy of that show even more uh, poignant, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I can't wait to read that. You know, I, I love his work. Um, you know, of the various people who are kind of doing the the '80s retro kids and you know sci-fi peril, his his stuff is my favorite by far. I you know I, I find it kind of more more grounded in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, I, th- I thought the show was so beautiful, but you know, I've, I've loved his art books for for many years now, and I, I can't. His, his new one's the Labyrinth, I think, isn't it? Yeah, the Labyrinth. It's it's great, and it's it's, it's a bit more. Um... Well, we had this interesting conversation because I was saying to him one of the things that I found so powerful about um, like Tales from the Loop and Things from the Flood was how you know the the scenes when you first look at them are very what I I described as mundane, and I'm, I'm not sure if that translated perfectly because he, he was a bit like mundane, and I was like no 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 what I mean is like you know it's very everyday scenes, and and then you kind of notice ah oh, there's a broken down robot in the background, or mm-hmm. it's you slowly kind of notice that things aren't quite right in his pictures, and and the world isn't quite right. Whereas you know the labyrinth is a lot more in your face. It's sure. you know it's kind of weird cosmic horror aliens 
I mean, it's still very odd, and it's you know, it's still his you know, very his distinctive style. But um, it's uh, it's it's definitely a change. But it's and it was uh, you know, you can one of the things I was I was asking him was you know, you look at kind of tales from the loop. Uh, you, you look at his books, and there's a kind of element of decay in them. You know, things are breaking down, things aren't quite how they should be. But there's like an optimism about them you know it's quite nice you know the kids are playing with robots you know it might be a bit of junk but it's a friendly bit of junk generally speaking yeah Uh, whereas you know the labyrinth is like oh my god it's horrible you know the world is and you know and it's you know you look at it and you think you kind of want to you know i think my first question was just like are you okay because it's just like (laughs) watching someone just lose their optimism and you know, you, you, as you work through his books, it just the tone gets darker and darker. But you know, I mean, who can you blame for that? The last few years have been a bit weird, haven't they? So it's they, uh, they certainly have. But uh, that's very cool. So um, you know, you got these great interviews, but you have your there's some mention about uh, the first will be some regular features. Uh, what kind of stuff is that going to be like? Yeah. So I mean, this is just you know, magazine stuff, you need to, you want to have something where people can open it each month and get a feel for it. And uh, so we just, we're having like a podcast of the month, well, of the issue. I think we're going to be quarterly, fingers crossed. But um, so, you know, there's a lot of, uh, we're going to have like a games publisher of the month, um, a podcaster of the issue, um, uh, a gaming club of the issue. Because I think it's very important to talk about the people that play games as well. You know, it's it's quite easy just focus on you know the people the headliners as it were you know but games wouldn't exist and our community wouldn't exist without the people that are there playing them week in week out and so i want to hear their stories as well um so we have like a club of the issue we've got a couple of really good writers doing sort of diary columns um as um myra manga who weirdly i knew in my previous life like 15 uh, 10 years ago when i well 15 years ago when i was promoting club nights and gigs and she was in a band really fun band called the Dulocks at the time and uh, and randomly i just kind of got back in touch with her and i'd read a couple of things she'd done and they'd been great and she's really funny and she's great so i wanted someone who could you know, just do a kind of fun, regular column about their life in gaming. So um, Myra's doing that. Anna Blackwell, who's a brilliant game designer. Um, she does these wonderful solo games. She's done, she's doing a regular column for us on just looking at a different solo game each month. Um, I think that's, you know, I think it's, you know, that's another thing that's really great is these, you know, there's so many different ways to play now. Um and obviously, it's been great that we can go online and play people, but it's nice to be able to just get there. Some, you know, it's the old going back to fighting fantasy books. It's, um, you know, sometimes it's fun just to sort of, you know, you've got an hour, you don't need to hook up with someone, you can just pull out a game and play it on yourself. And and we're seeing more, yeah, more of those. So, especially under present circumstances. Yeah, totally, totally, exactly. Um, and so, and then we're going to do a feature where, and this is one where I really want people to contribute stuff. I want people to send in a photo from, you know, something from their past 
to do with gaming. It could be them sat around a table when they're 10 years old or something, you know, and I want to mm-hmm. see, you know, some, you know, I want to hear their story, you know, and I want to like, give a page to someone. And, um, but we're, we're kicking that off with, um, I've got Trish Carden, who was, uh, absolute legend at Citadel, uh, miniatures design. Yeah, I remember. Um, so, you know, she's, she was there from the mid eighties, right up until I think her last model was that ridiculous, massive corn dragon that Forge World released. Oh yeah. You know, I mean like, what is it? It's like 600 quid or something in the size yeah. of people. <laughs> massive, ridiculous thing. I mean, you can have that and one other guy in your army and that's it for like a 2000 point game. So, sure. so like she's been there the whole time, right from when it was like silly putty models or, you know, making them like that to the latest CAD designs. Um, so I found this photo of her from the eighties and it was, she looks great in it. She's like all goffed up in awesome. know, black leather and She's with uh, Nick Bibby, who's another sculptor from back then. And he's just dressed like some kind of, it's like a goat has come to life and become a wizard. It's an astonishing photo. Yeah. Um, so I like got in touch with her and I was like, I just, well, A, I just need to know the story behind this anyway. And could you tell us the story in this magazine? So she's uh so the back page is just this big photo of her and this guy standing in nottingham looking absolutely ridiculously but wonderful and um so she's written a really lovely piece for us about that and that's uh, great and yeah so i'm hoping that people you know want to send their own pictures in and you know we want it to be a dialogue not just uh you know let's say it's a community so i want people to you know obviously we want feedback especially if it's like not your shit but you know hopefully it's people enjoy what we do and you know if people want to contribute ideas then you know the door's always open um so and apart from that uh yeah i mean this one it's been odd obviously because we weren't really sure when it was going to come out and originally i'd hoped to get it out very early december um but then because of the election and various things we pushed even the start back a few weeks and sure. then we're hitting Christmas. So it'll probably land this very, you know, first week of January in people's uh, letterboxes. Um, you know, so I'd, I had originally planned to have like a Christmas gift guide and all that kind of stuff, but um, that, that that's by the by. And also it's, it's been very odd because I work in, you know, say my main job has been PR for the last 20 years um, mm-hmm. in music and, and it's it's been strange getting to know the gaming industry. Um, I mean, we're starting out, so there's no reason why anyone should bend over backwards for us. I, I certainly didn't expect that, but um, it's it's not quite as responsive. <laughs> Perhaps it's developing <laughs> it as you know the music industry. Maybe there's more money there, or it's just it's more time pressure. But um, you know, people chase you for stuff, and they're constantly um you know desperately you know normally in the music industry as a pr you're desperately hassling people because you're like please please my god cover this whereas (laughs) you know i've been like emailing companies going i want to do a feature on your game i want to you know give you five pages of free advertising about your you know brand new massive box set and it's like cheer up nothing absolute crickets um but you know as i said 
we're brand new. No one knows who us we are, so they probably just think I'm some random bloke on the make. But um, maybe once we get like a first issue out, we can we'll get on a few um, uh, radar of a few people, and uh, we can uh, we'll get some more stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think you maybe have some slightly wishful thinking just because having, having worked in social marketing for a large game company, uh, probably there's about one guy there who answers everything. And uh, <laughs> I've got that feeling. Well, they didn't even seem to be that. You know, you, you check a lot of them and, and uh, you know, you're trying to find a contact email just for someone. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I need to find out. And, you know, it's they'll have an address to contact them if, like, you know, you get a model with a broken arm. But, you know, right. if, you, if you want to do an interview with someone, you know, and I think the problem is it's, you know, there aren't a huge amount of gaming press, you know, there's tabletop gaming, there's, you know, there's a, a few here and there, but there's not a huge kind of ecosystem. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's, it's just not set up for that, really, and um, you've got to get used to it. But it's, you know, there's nothing in the magazine. Well, we're not missing anything. I got everything I wanted in there. Pretty yeah. Much. So uh, at the end of the day, it worked out okay. That's cool. So I guess this issue is going to be kind of a test bed for you in a lot of ways. Here. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's why we called it Session Zero, because it's, you know, I mean, again, something that was totally alien to me a few years ago, and, and then you you get it explained, and it's all these, you know, things that, you know, X card, Session Zero, and, you know, as a kind of, you go, oh, I didn't need that when I was 12 years old, and then you think, well, actually, maybe it would have been nice, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 you know, it's good we have these things. So I, that's why I wanted this. I thought it's like, okay, this can be you know, we're not putting this magazine together in the perfect circumstances, but um, we're getting everything we want, and it's a chance for us to try it, me to find some new writers, people to get to know us, and and then try. It. And there's things we, I mean, there are things we can do just because of the nature of lockdowns. You know, it, it's we wanted to do more photography and um, going out to people's. Know, photographing their models and and going to tour, uh, like conventions and tournaments and having reports there and of course none of that's happening and it's uh, but hopefully you know the news over the last week or so has been pretty positive so yeah some big progress on vaccines and stuff so yeah hopefully next year it'll be good and it's you know it's and and, and it's good because it means we've got stuff lined up for the next issue and beyond which will be you know the idea I, I want to go beyond with future issues is to kind of have themes to them and um, mm -hmm. and be a bit more like this is just like who do i like who's doing really fun interesting stuff now um and let's get them and we'll get everyone we can and it was originally going to be like 60 pages and then it became 80 and uh -huh. even last week I, i'm sat here laying it all out myself and i'm thinking do I? I could add sixteen more pages. Yeah, why not? I'll just add sixteen yeah, more pages. Yeah, signature, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's like you know, just just add more and more as you go along because there's so much good stuff. It's you know, in the last week, I've got like um, the Age of Sigma Soulbound book came in, and it's fabulous. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love these kind of like little zines and one-page games, and that's the stuff that really excites me. But then you get one of these big, beautiful books that's full of artwork, and it's you know, just a hundred pages of ridiculous lore that they've thrown together. And you're like, oh my God, my heart beats. Yeah. It's like, it's beautiful. 
So you're, I'm suddenly thinking, well, oh, what can I, how, you know, I can't move stuff around to fit this in. So <laughs> how much are you calling up the printers? If I add 16 more pages, what's the damage? It's, um, you know, and it's, it's, and it's learning that. I mean, say I've worked in journalism and PR and written for magazines, you know, all my adult life, but putting together the whole publishing thing is kind of a bit new. So it's, you know, it's a learning curve for me on lots of levels and figuring out what we can do and how we can do it is it's exciting and it's, um, it's scary, but it's exciting and figuring out, you know, Oh, well actually I can do this and I can do that. And, you know, we have, um, We've got a really, really good interview with um, Johan Noor. I really hope I... Just... Oh, Morkborg, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, so, you know, when that book arrived, that blew my mind. And I think everyone, everyone who's got that was just like, wow, this is, you know, they've done it so well and it, it's so right. And that was, you know, and, and that was the first thing I laid out was this, this, that interview with um, with him. And that was terrifying because it's like the whole interview is just about graphic design. Because again, we didn't yeah. want to just talk about, we didn't want to talk about sure. the, mag- uh, the the game because everyone's done that. So we wanted to, you know, it's you know two thousand words talking about fonts, which you know I, it's fascinating when you know when you're, should, you're someone should, who's really passionate and really good about it, and you just let them talk. And uh, Walton, he did the interview, you know, got. Yeah, it's great. And but there I am laying this out, and I'm like, this is the first time I've done this, and it's you know it's probably not what you should do. But I remember like sending the layout to him, like Johan, and saying, look, <laughs> dude, what do you think of this? And that, I mean, I don't know if he was being nice, but he's you know he was happy with it. He said it looks good. So um, yeah, I mean that's a big praise too. I think you know if you're not familiar with Morkborg, um, the, the graphic design and layout of the book is is just incredible. Um, I think I think. He's a he's a very high end designer himself by trade, isn't he? Yeah, I mean he does. I mean that's the thing. The whole, one of the whole point of his interview uh, and the thing is, you know, he breaks every rule in the Mortbook book. Uh, it's, it's every single rule, but you know, you can only really do that as well as he's done if you know what the rules are in the first place. He's a true master. Yeah, you look at like he's uh, you know he does a lot of the other free league stuff like uh Simbaron, i think it's and um a couple of others you know much more traditional classic um textbook design and you know he can do that and then you know Walkborg is just like well what if we just throw everything out and the role is beautiful i mean I did... it's, it's incredible i mean you know, I, I run a publishing company myself and you know when, when i got my copy of Morkborg and i saw you know a, there's an there's an internal page with a, a silver foil on it which oh, that's not done. nobody does that it's madness they even did that beautiful there's like the zine they put out afterwards ferritory and that's that's like a zine and even that has like gold foil in it and stuff like this and, it's, it's, know, bonkers. it's crazy and it's great but it shows you what you can do and it's uh Everything about it is great. It's one of those kind of inspiring things. And I mean, there's, I don't know what's going on in Sweden at the moment, but there's just, it's just a constant stream of amazing stuff. I mean, most of it is him and his, you know, the crew that are around those guys. Um, but there's other stuff. There's, I mean, there's um, one I got the other week, a kind of Rhizozine called Alt NYC 88. And honestly, anyone, if you like graphic design and you like RPGs, then find a copy of this because it's absolutely stunning. And it's like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles meets um, John Carpenter, uh, you know, Escape from New York. 
um, and it's the zine is this beautiful, gorgeous looking um, thing that's all done like the like mix of like eighties graffiti and the uh, oh, I've totally forgotten his name. The guy who did all the New York transit um, graphic design, so it is beautiful. But you know, they just there's all these people in Sweden who are incredible at the moment. So I mean, that's I mean that's something I really want to do is in future issues is uh, focus on, you know, do focus, uh, like a focus piece on different areas because, you know, the UK and the US especially, you know, naturally tend to hog the spotlight because the two biggest war, the biggest war game and the biggest role-playing game come from there. But that, you know, the more interesting stuff or, you know, where innovation's happening is in these kind of, you know, Sweden now, I mean, that's huge, but um, Southeast Asia is, you know, the Southeast Asian role-playing scene is brilliant at the moment. And it's, it's people are doing, you know, it's, it's that moment, again, when I come back to what I said earlier about, um, you know, it's engaging with other perspectives and you know there's been lots recently over the last you know few years as people have started kind of litigating the past and uh, yeah i've i'm not you know things like the D oriental adventures and and yeah it's i can totally you know it's an odd one because obviously that's kind of i i understand why people my age can get weird about it because you know it's your childhood and sure you have these fond memories for all this stuff but you know you know you look back at it you know to modernize of course it looks terrible and you know i'm my view's a bit nuanced and again 100 because you know i was there as a kid at the time so uh, but i recognize that my feelings towards these things are just you know it's nostalgia it's driven by that but i'd much rather have like um you know the philippines at the moment there is so much good stuff coming out from there and you know from that area and uh now i've hated this guy i've you know it's one of those name people who i've emailed and i've chatted to and i don't know how to pronounce his name zx i'm gonna say sue um but he's done this series of zines called thousand thousand islands and again, if you can get hold of them, get them because it's he's creating this whole mythology that is based on you know the stories and the myths that he grew up with, mm-hmm. and you're getting it unfiltered. You know, we're and it's obviously it's better than some the me sitting here going ah you know I've got some photos of you know I've read a book about you know Far East. Uh, mythology or something like that from 20 years ago and now I'm going to come up with a story you know I'd rather have the people from there come up with something because they're going to do stuff that you're never going to think about you know they're going to come up with stuff that's so much fresher and more interesting and it's just a different perspective and then um, you know there's a really interesting scene happening in Brazil as well at the moment Um, there's you know there's stuff coming out of there that is is wild and it just it's beautiful and the art is amazing and it's just a fresh take on it and it's it's you know it's you feel so happy that we're living at a time where we're getting access to all this stuff from 
places around. So yeah, I'm really hoping in future issues that we can do a kind of a really nice focus on a, you know regions that don't get as much attention normally as they should do. Um, sure. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, yeah, you could go on. I mean, there's just there's loads of um, you know everywhere you look. There's interest. I mean, the one thing I'm really interested. I've got this idea for a feature, and I don't know if anyone listening to this can help me with it. But there was a game came out last year, I think, called Aquilara or Aqu- Aquilaire, and it's uh, it's an RPG from yeah, like '91 or something and uh, it never it didn't got translated into English at the time and it, it only got translated into English for the first time last year and it just you, you think well how and but it was considered an absolute classic um, and you and you just think well I want to know what are the games from Sweden that have never been translated what are the games from France Germany you know that we don't know about and was you know what was their Dungeons and Dragons that because it's never been translated into English? What was their Warhammer or whatever? You know, mm-hmm. you know what's sitting out there that is amazing because it you know it makes our life better to have that stuff. Um, so I, you know I, I, I think yeah, when people been the good thing about these games is it's like from the minute we first started playing, you know, minute Gary Guy gets rolled up. Dungeons and Dragons, people went, well, you know, that doesn't quite work how I want. I'm going to fix it and start making their own games. And that's how it's always been. So, you know, you can just think there's going to be games out there from, you know, 30, 40 years that we don't know about yet. And we're going to find, and they're going to, and maybe they'll be terrible, but there'll be some that will be great. And, um, you know, I just, I want to hear their stories and find out about things that we don't know about yet. Because, you know, it's, there's Warhammer, Dungeons and Dragons, the kind of these two massive gorilla beasts that dominate the landscape, you know, for wargaming and, and for role-playing games. But they're not the only ones around and they're not the most interesting. You know, they're, by their very nature, they have to be, um, you know, they're slower to evolve. They, you know, they can't take as many chances. And... Uh, you know, it's not to say they're bad. You know, I I love Warhammer. It's you know, it's dumb and stupid and it's amazing. And you know, but you know, there's other stuff interesting happening out there. And uh, you know, it's no one's hurt by us finding this other stuff. Um, Definitely. Actually, I'm curious. We've talked a lot about role playing games, but what miniatures games get you excited these days? Well, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm you know, I'm kind of. I'm deep in Games Workshop's pocket. Um, Aren't we all? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to look past it. I mean, that's one... I mean, the problem is, I think it's the expense because and the time it takes to build up these things because, you know, a role-playing game, I don't feel the need to... You know, I I couldn't play all the role-playing games I've got because I've just, you know... I've got so many of them, but you know, yeah. you know, there's there's zines and there's PDFs and all these things like that. Whereas with like a miniatures game, it's you know, by the time you bought that, you know, you bought them and you painted them, and then you got to find people to play them with, and um, you know, and it's really frustrating because I would love to, um, you know, I, I look around at all the ones and I'm trying to find more. So I mean, what I'm trying to find now is games that use a kind of miniature agnostic. Um, Mm-hmm. they can use any because 
I mean, it's a weird one. Like, so I, I was like nine when I got into Warhammer. So I can, I can never tell if that's young or old, but I mean, I was, my friend had, um, uh, White Dwarf. In fact, I've got it on my desk here, the, the very issue. White Dwarf 81 from September 1986. And it just blew my mind. And it's kind of these, I was just like, this is a portal to another world. And all these little weird models. And it was just the greatest thing I'd ever uh, discovered. And then, you know, from there, we, you know, this was long before you had shops that, you know, I was, I, when I, I got back into it a few years ago and I was like, oh my God, A, the models of, you know, wow. You know, you look in the window and suddenly there's all these like huge, massive things. I'm like, well, I remember when a blood thirster was like two and a half inches high or yeah. something. <laughs> and now it's like, you know, four, no, two foot or something. And oh, uh -huh. it's got a price to match as well. Jesus. But, um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I was, you know, when I was like up until about 14 or something, I just played anything and everything Games Workshop released. So whatever they had, Blood Bowl, Dark Future, Mighty Empires, Warhammer, you name it. If it came out, I had it and I loved it. And then it all kind of got put away and I went to college. And apparently a week after I left house, it all got thrown in the bin, which, sure. you know, is... Uh, yeah. It was like a few, so when I got back into it all a few years ago, I remember saying to my parents, I, I was back in the UK, and I was like, uh, I'm just going to go up in the loft because I've been looking on eBay and all those games, they, they gave like 200 quid now and stuff. So it's going to be not <laughs> to play, but I just want to see it anyway. And like, where is it all? And it's like, oh yeah, we just took it down the charity shop like, uh, two days after you left out. Oh man. <laughs> but then, yeah, so a few, a um, couple of years ago, I was just walking past a games workshop and I'd had a quite a boozy business lunch with uh, one of the bands that I was managing at the time and it gone very well and we'd just been up for an award and we'd celebrated with a few drinks over lunch and I was kind of walking home and walked past the games workshop in Brussels and I'd walked past it a few times and obviously you know subconsciously my, my will had been kind of tested and I just thought you know I'm just going to pop in and have a look so I popped in picked up a box of skeletons for i have no idea why um <laughs> just you know they looked easy to paint and I, I got some paints and and i remember as a kid like i i had no painted models as a kid because i was you know i tried to paint them and i was just terrible absolutely yeah you know didn't have the right paints you just they were just these horror show things covered in you know thick airfix model paint or whatever and it was it was never a good look so you know, I was like, oh, God, this was, if I buy this, I'll hate the experience so much, it will cure me of any desire to get back into this nonsense. And then, you know, when I like suddenly there's all these Peachy and Duncan on the Warhammer TV going, and, you know, here's how you do it. So I painted these models and, yeah, they did not look shit. So I was like, you know, they don't look great, but, you know, they look all right. And then, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to buy some more. And, you know, I'm just, just going to do this for a, uh, you know, it's just, it's nice to relax at the end of the day. I'm not going to play the games. And I think it was just when um, it was, oh, the Warhammer Underworlds was coming out. And, and I said to my wife, why didn't I get that? Because it doesn't involve buying hundreds of models and it'll be, um, you know, a game we can, 
you know, play perhaps. And it was, I think it's my birthday, so she went and got it, but she got the wrong thing and got like a big starter box with a hundred models in or something. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well now I've got to play the game. Now, I, now apparently I collect Storm What, what choice do you have? Yeah, Nighthawk. And, and so of course, like suddenly you build that up and then after a while I say, well, you know, these other ones look good and these look great and oh, those goblins look brilliant. So, you know, I've got to have those. And, and, but I was very careful because I was like, that's it. I'm not getting into Warhammer 40k because <laughs> madness lies that way. I'm not getting into anything else. And then, of course, like they release Kill Team and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. but, you know, I only need 10 but models. What if I did? Yeah. It's like 10 models. That's nothing. That's like, you know, yeah. that, that's <laughs> that's nothing at all. So, you know, you, know, you buy Kill Team and you go to the scenery. You're like, I, I love painting scenery. It's That's the terrain for some reason. I, I guess because it's big and you don't have to like think too much about it. It. you just slap paint on it and it's fun so suddenly i'm like okay well i've got like this adeptus mechanicus and gene stealers that that's as far as it goes and then suddenly it's like oh this sisters of battle box comes out and you're like oh that well those look great you know i mean they will look nice on the shelf and Warcry comes out and indomitus comes out and suddenly you're like oh okay so now i have everything now it's this yeah. Is, this is my life now. Apparently, I just I just collect plastic that sits on the shelf, doesn't get built, and and at some you know I've just you know I, I, honestly there's so much here that needs to be built, let alone painted, just built. And this stuff like the Indomitus boxer, I was like, I'm not going to do that. And then of course I went online the day you know, just to look on Twitter the day that it launched and there's hundreds, everyone's shouting and it's like, oh my God, it's sold out everywhere and it's it's sold out in five minutes. And, and suddenly the part of me is like, well, I'm going to find one, you know. So yeah, you end up with that. And I mean, I just, just this week, you know, we're discussing what buy each other for Christmas presents. And I'm like, well, you know, there's this new Blood Bowl coming out. And uh, so of course now I've got Blood Bowl on its way and, Mm-hmm. be another thing but you know i convinced me like blood bowl again it's one of those ones where you tell yourself it's like it's 10 models that's all you need yeah, and it's you know and they're, and they and they're amazing models as well so it's um but i mean there's other games apart from that i mean i would love to play more you know you see like warlord do the really cool little judge dread one you know i grew up reading 2000 ad so i'd love to have that and you know, there's all the. I mean, the one I don't get is historical war games. I kind of, I can, I can see the appeal. I just, I, it's a bit like, I don't know. I find it, I, I, I struggle with historical war gaming because it's like, essentially, you know, I look at my Warhammer models and I'm like, every one of those little weirdos, you know, if you if you take their stories in as true have committed atrocities now, there's no good guys they're all awful and they've all done things that would make like hitler blush you know they're mm-hmm. terrible and you know and yet i collect them you know but if, if you actually sit there and say yeah i'm gonna spend the evening painting up some ss troops oh i don't know it's it's yeah it's, I, I, I have i have similar struggles I, I i dabble in historicals but I, I find anything after about the napoleonic era like i just i can't get excited about it it's all just too too present and depressing well, that's why i don't understand i was asking today some people and i was like what's the is there like a floating timeline of what's acceptable like you know how long does a war have to have finished before you're allowed to play little toy soldier version of it because it's 
you know, World War Two. Yeah, there's no one really around anymore. You know, it's okay. It's a bit odd that some people might want to play Nazis, but you know, someone has to if you're going to play that. So, you right. know, kind of get it in a way. But it's yeah, how close do you go? You know, and it's. Yeah, I mean, that's actually something I want to tackle in another issue. Um, you know, I think that's really fascinating, and, and not to be like judgy about people and attack them but to you know to really understand it and to sure. be like you know what is it that you get out of playing this because there will be some people who are clearly absolute wrongins who you know you don't want to look in their cupboard because they have nazi memorabilia and god knows yeah what. i've met a few over the years <laughs> but you know there will be people it's just like you know if you're going to play these games someone has to be the bad guy so it's yeah, I mean, I get it. You know, I think World War II in particular, it has a lot of visual appeal, right? And like, you know, the, the, the battles are, are interesting and, you know, dynamic in ways that a lot of other wargaming isn't in the historical um, realm. So I, I, I get it. It's just personal. I'm just like, man, I just, I just can't get excited about it, but, you know. But also, you know, I, I got into um, Team Yankee this year, which is the uh, 1980s World War III uh, game from um, Battlefront, The okay. Flames of War. And, like, I'm, I'm totally cool with that because World War III didn't happen. So, you know, if I have a bunch of Soviet <laughs> tankers committing, you know, war crimes in, uh, you know, Eastern Germany in 1985, I, I don't care because none of them are real. And, you know, but I still get to play with the, the play and paint with the cool tanks. Well, that's that's been kind of a, a weird moral compromise that I've ended up with, you know, without really thinking it through. But, but I think that's the dividing point for me is that it, it isn't real and there is no real history to it. Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, it's something I really want to, I'm really interested in. Because, you know, I do love miniature war games you know there's something you know we grew i grew up playing with action men you know gi joe in america and that kind of stuff it's it's <laughs> i mean let's be honest it's a continuation of that essentially so it's sure. you know and it's fun and it's kind of moving these big things around and i mean uh, yeah so i'm trying to avoid getting into any more but i keep uh, people keep releasing like uh naval games um kings of war armada and there's a uh, Pirates mm-hmm. of the Dread Sea or something at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, that's, I'm just like, oh, that looks fun. You know, just moving little ships around and kind of doing that kind of stuff. <laughs> like, you know, oh, that looks great. You know, because I remember like the old epic 40K where you yeah, had, for sure. you know, and you'd have lots, hundreds of tanks running around. And the, the you see, I haven't got into Adeptus Titanicus, the new version yet. Um, it's very it, good. Again, it's, everyone says it's brilliant. I mean, everyone says it's fantastic. And the models are amazing, but you know, God, they're expensive. But it's, you know, I'm, uh, yeah, it's sort of, it's my, my, my resilience is weak, but I mean, yeah. luckily, I mean, one of the good things, I live in like the forest in the middle of nowhere in Belgium, so I, I don't have enough people to play. So that's always a kind of, yeah, know, there's, there's no point added. But I mean, what I'm really interested in is um, with war games, you know, certainly is there's been this you know, such a huge um, diversification of role-playing games over the last few years, both in, you know, what they're about and the mechanics and all these kind of things like that. And what I'm really interested in is kind of when's that going to hit wargaming or is it? Because, you know, what will be, you know, everyone's got loads of models already, so let's find more games to play with them. We don't just have to play Age of Sigmar or 40K or whatever like that. We can use those models for anything. And so, you know, I'd love to see a kind of equivalent of, like, 
itch games, you know, these kind of one-page RPGs that are like really experimental and wild. And I think we're starting to see that actually to a certain well, degree. Um, Chris McDowell. Rangers of Shadow Deep. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, totally. And but even like sort of much more experiment. You've know, got like um, Chris McDowell who did really amazing. RPG into the odd and Electric Bastion Land, and he's kind of doing this thing at the moment, uh, Grimlight. So, which is his, you know, it's you can download it for free as he's testing it, and it's this kind of use any model, and it's kind of a bit more experimental. And there's been a few more I've been keeping my eyes on, and I'm, I'm you know, I think that's a what I'm really hoping is we're going to see a lot more of that over the next few, you know, months, years, whatever, because you know it's when you have one company that just does the main thing, you know, they're not going to innovate. They, you know, I mean, Age of Sigma was a total sea change from 8th edition um, battle, but at the same point, it's, um, you know, it's still within a structure. And I think there's interesting questions to be even asked, like, what is a war game? You know, is, does it even have to involve war? You know, yeah, is Blood Bowl a war game? I mean, it's a miniatures combat game kind of thing, but you could, take it even a remove and i'm like well what games can you do which essentially use models moving around and you know there could be other games that we could play that scratch that itch but aren't necessarily um you know mass ranked combat things so yeah uh, i didn't have it's the been on my mind a lot as well in the past year or two. Oh, sorry what was oh i was just saying that that, that that very question has been on my mind a lot this past year or two particularly with you know lockdown and not being able to go play a game with your friends, you know, what is a miniatures game? You know, what, what can I do with painted miniatures that, you know, would be a different experience maybe from what I'm used to. And mm. I've been thinking about it a lot. And even like Sam Pearson at uh, Games Workshop, I mean, he's done a couple of, um, this year they published a couple of like how to play Warhammer solo and Warcraft yeah. solo games and um, Underworld solo. And it's, you know, as I say, I think it's, you know, there's a lot of design space within wargaming which hasn't been properly investigated yet. And I think, you know, it's, you can't deny that, you know, there's been this huge research. I mean, not, I mean, obviously everyone's talking about critical role and role-playing games and stuff like that, but a games workshop is, I mean, next year after Brexit, it's probably going to be like the sole company keeping the UK economy going. It's, <laughs> I mean, we are, we're going to translate to a kind of entirely plastic soldier based yeah. economy because they're not going to, be able to do anything else. So it's, you know, I, annoyingly at the start of, um, literally at the very start of lockdown, I remember talking to my wife and I said, you know what we should do? We should take all the money <laughs> that we have saved up and put it in Games Workshop shares because, you know, obviously it was already doing well anyway, but it's like, you know, they're the kind of company that are going to ride this out really well. And they yeah. have, you know, their shares are absolutely, we, we would have been able to buy a house or something now with, sure. rather than instead just, you know, instead of buying shares, I did the stupid thing and I bought models. So, you know, I'm not an investment guru, but it's, you know, there's more people playing Warhammer than ever before. And hopefully, and there's and there's more different people, you know, and they're you know they're slow. It's like trying to turn a tanker around. It's they're never going to be able to stop and be like tomorrow we are this perfectly, you know, social justice company. You know, as much as I want them to be, and as much as I'm sure many people that work there that want them to be. You know, it's a 
it's it's a slow process but you know even just little things like when the age of sigma second edition book came out and it had a female storm cast on the cover you know it's it's small and i can understand people saying it's too small and too slow but they're making progress you know you had um annie from bad squid on a couple of months ago and you know you have to remember like at one point if you wanted non-sexualized female miniatures you know you just didn't have an option you know you barely had you barely had an option of sexualized ones you know it's you know you were on slim ground if that's what you wanted and you know there's been missteps but they're getting there and we're getting more and more there and it's bringing in more people and those people are going to inject new ideas into the game and i can't wait to find out what happens when you know they're a bit more confident with playing the game and they're like well actually like we all did you know 30 years ago we didn't like something we changed it at home and we made our own rules and those homebrew rules filter through and i can't wait to see what happens when you know this new generation of people that are getting into wargaming you know when their ideas start filtering through Mm -hmm. you know i don't think it's anything to be scared of it's you know the games are always going to be there if you want to you know when i got back into this the other year i think and i was looking at the age of sigma rules i was like that's it you know it's like okay, I've read 300 pages of law and now I've got to the rules section and it's like four pages. And I'm, right. I'm, I'm looking for the rest of it and I'm thinking like, where are your rules for like, what happens when it's raining and they're on grass on a hill and you get attacked uh-huh. from behind, you know, all this thing. And, you know, of course at first I was like, well, this is nonsense, you know, like, you know, this isn't a real battle, you know, of course it's not a real battle, it's wizards throwing fireballs at each other you know it's it's a game and um so you know i downloaded you know um a copy of uh the third edition warhammer fantasy battle because that for me was like you know that was the one that i loved you know the third edition sure and it's it's ridiculous it's no one could have played that game i don't think you know i yeah and i i I thought i you know tried to think back and I'm just like, you know, what happened? We must have played these games, you know, and you think, well, yeah, we set them up and then we probably had like a turn or two and, you know, I, I don't remember finishing a game. <laughs> you know, <in> the- <laughs> it, was, it was just an excuse to hang out and have a few drinks. Yeah. And, you know, and you look at the rules for like moving a chariot and you need, honestly, you need A-level maths to do it. It's... <laughs> You know, you're going to start working out these vectors and these angles. And, and it's lovely. Uh, as a historical, art, you know, document, it's fabulous, you know. And I would, you know, I would genuinely love to try and have a game of it. But it is there. It's always going to be there. It's, you know, 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th edition. They're all there. We can all play them whenever we want, you know. So, you know, change happens. But, you know, the past still exists. So it's... Uh, you know, I'm just excited to see what what they do next, and you know what people bring to the table, um, literally bring to the table. So, oh, well said. <laughs> so, uh, to wrap up a little bit, so uh, Weird Science Magazine, your uh, issue issue one, session zero, I guess, is uh, on Kickstarter right now. Yeah, well, I'm going to annoy everyone because the next issue is going to be issue one. So this is actually like the issue zero, which is going to 
it's the kind of thing that would wind me up as a kind of, you know. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so it's on Kickstarter now until December the 11th, so next Friday. Um, it's, you know, originally I was like, I'm going to do it physical magazine only because I'm an idiot and I'm a purist. And then I was like, well, actually, no, because there's, you know, people can't get to it or the post or whatever. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a PDF, like four quid, magazine's eight. We've got this stunning cover i mean i have to say um matt pringle who's uh, an old friend of mine from you know music well actually not in the music industry we just hung out on a website you know chat you know back in early 2000s chatted music i got to know him and he's this incredible lino cut artist and with honestly hardly any time notice at all i was like look matt can you just do me something he turned this around in a couple of weeks and it's it looks so good and i've just added a little bit to it and my job was just not to screw it up basically uh-huh. okay. i haven't done that so and then everyone we had loads of people interested in that so we've now added like a new tier just today of um he's done like 30 print copies uh lino co- copies of his of his cover but essentially it's really i didn't want to kind of complicate things i just wanted this to be a really simple one. like next next issue i'll do like 20 different reward tiers with t-shirts and badges and i don't know i'll come up with all kinds of stuff but this is it's just like the pdf for the magazine or the magazine and now the print and that's it and you know just people check it out and try it and um yeah and enjoy reading it as much as i have um yeah i mean that's the thing i've enjoyed reading it because i've managed to get all these people whose writing i really love to you know i was like hey look Here's two and a half thousand words. Fill it with, you know, six pages. Fill it with some interesting stuff, and you know, everyone's hit it out the park. So that's great. So, will future issues? So, if, if you're, if somebody who listens to the podcast and maybe misses the Kickstarter, will they be able to get a copy? Yes, I mean the PDF. I'm just looking at the. I think I'm going to stick it on like itch and drive through. Um, I think that's probably the best option. I'll figure something, you know, it will be available as a digital copy. Um, Certainly that'll be available. Uh, Depending how many I print up, there will be a few, there will definitely be a few left over. So, you know, if you miss the Kickstarter and you really want it, then I'm sure there'll be at least a few copies. Um, Hopefully not as many as I've run record labels in the past. And when I moved to Belgium, I had to put like about seven, 112 inches in a skip because you know, <laughs> yeah. you know so hopefully I'm, I, I'm, I've learned my lesson and I'm not over producing um, but there'll be some and then I mean we almost start the next one straight away you know we you know I was so happy with how it started and how it's gone that um, I was like you know what what happens we'll do a second issue so that'll be in March and um, again you know we'll probably do it by Kickstarter uh, just to kind of help build us up an audience um there might be some issues sure. spare issues then you know if, if people want them then so there'll be ways that people get hold of it okay great cool well john thanks so much for talking with me man it's been really interesting oh, and thank, you for me. thank you so much for having me it's uh, i hope i haven't gone on too much but no not at all and uh you know if you're out there listening go check out weird science that's w-y-r-d science on kickstarter uh through december 11th we'll have links in the show notes and otherwise uh john everybody else happy holidays thanks for listening thank you so much the brush builders union is a community of like-minded miniatures gamers dedicated to playing their games fully painted and supporting one another in their craft 
Brush Builders Union is here to help you stay on track with tools and a community of fellow painters to encourage you in your journey. Take the Union Pledge and learn more at brushbuildersunion.com. Thank you.